0: Welcome to the Assembly of Silence Radio Hour. And here we are. This episode may be the last time that Judah and I sat together to record an Assembly of Silence Radio Hour episode. Hopefully that won't be the case, but it may be the case. Because Judah went off and moved somewhere else. So maybe we'll do some, you know, Zoom stuff. That's what everyone is doing now. But this is the last one we recorded before he left. It was a little while ago now. I think it's relevant to the situation we're all in because... Well, 50 million Americans have lost their livelihood. And so we're talking about, you know, Judah was concerned about what he was going to be doing when he moved. I'm pleased to report that he has found gainful employment since the recording of this episode. So don't worry about him. He's doing fine. But this is an issue that many people are confronting right now. And probably a lot more of us will be confronting down the road if things continue in the direction they're presently heading. I think those of you who are nervous about the upcoming election, I hope that you're keeping track of some of the things happening on the sidelines. There's a couple of interesting initiatives happening right now. One of them is called Unity 2020. You can go to articlesofunity.org. It's a very interesting idea that tries to bring together the left and the right. It's basically a a draft-a-candidate program started by brett weinstein so two candidates have already been selected tulsi gabbard and dan Grans- crenshaw and uh if they accept the the draft and i really actually doubt they will but it'll be fascinating to see if they do if they do there'll be a toin cost to the toy. costs a coin toss. (laughs) A coin toss to determine who will be the president, who will run as president. And they make an agreement that they will make decisions together because, you know, Tulsi is kind of on the left and Dan is a right winger. So the idea is let's get both these perspectives back together in running the country. No one's going to be happy with the decisions that are made, but at least it's going to be something that won't increase the division. That's the basic idea. I don't know if it'll work, but I think it's one of the best things going right now. There's a lot of really clever and and uh, well-thought-out ideas in this whole campaign. There's some very motivated people running it. So I, I urge people to check that out. I also urge people to check out the People's Movement, which is a new movement that's, I think, primarily disaffected progressive Democrats. Uh, Nevertheless, uh, well worth keeping an eye on some of these unusual trends. However, I do think that realistically speaking, it's very unlikely that they'll be able to accomplish anything not only because of the political gridlock and the degree to which these parties have really consolidated their power and have the ability to squeeze out anyone who Uh, dissents from their party politics, both of these initiatives are really missing a spiritual component. I think fundamentally this nation has lost its way because it's lost its relationship with God. We were at one time one nation under God. And because everyone has a different idea of what God is and we were based upon freedom of religious practice we had this fundamental notion that you know it's okay if people have different ideas but there is a kind of unifying respect for this miracle that we're living in and the mystery behind it all which i think is pretty much just a fine way of thinking of one nation under god you don't have to get into any particulars about what God is because we don't know we can make up whatever stories we want but the the humility that comes from considering the miracle that we're living in and the mystery behind it that's what's necessary in order to hold a nation together because otherwise everyone thinks they know what they're talking about without that humility and without Respect and reverence for the mystery, people can get very impassioned about their own perspectives and think that they know what's right for everyone else. So I think, you know, something like Unity 2020, it goes part of the way towards this, but it doesn't really go the full way because you just can't get there through rationalism or through sophisticated political thought. I think reverence and humility are the only way, and that is sadly absent throughout the political spectrum. So, you know, while I I don't want to give up hope on things, and I think it's worth putting some effort and energy into the things that we think of as being the most hopeful, and I do see both of these initiatives as being those things, Uh, Realistically speaking, I don't think they're going to do the trick. But hopefully I'm wrong. I really do hope that I'm wrong about most things. So we'll see. At any rate, this is an episode with Judah, the guy who I started this whole thing with. And then now he's gone somewhere else. And I guess I'll keep doing this for a while. I hope you find it interesting. I hope you'll support the program if you do find it interesting. And so by support, I know that no one has any money. So support means, hey, let's see if we can get this room bigger than, like, 50 people per episode. Because that's about where we are. Some of them are, like, 100 and something. Some of them are, you know, 30, 40, 50. Somewhere in this range. It's not a bad room. I, I don't like rooms with too many people in it. So I'm I'm pretty happy with that number. But, you know... Let's see what happens. Okay. Enjoy the show. You had an idea. All right. Yeah. I had an idea. So here we are. This may be the last episode with Judah in person. We're actually sitting at the same table, (laughs) able to see each other and exchange bizarre knowing glasses (laughs) from time to time. That Like, I know what you're thinking, look. <laughs> <laughs> Only to be surprised when something <laughs> entirely different comes out of the mouth. That's right, exactly. Yeah, so uh, earlier today, I was realizing something. It comes from a long story That's I'm going to summarize as quickly as I can. So there's an old Pink Floyd song, like the Pink Floyd before... Uh, like with Sid Barrett? The Sid Barrett. Mm-hmm. Do you know Chapter 24? Not off the top of my head, no. Nope. It's... Uh, it's a song that he took from the I Ching, oh. and it goes: All movement is accomplished in six stages, and the seventh brings return. Right, the seven is the number of the young light. It. Uh, I can't remember the next line. It 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 comes when darkness is increased by one, something along those lines. It's interesting. So, what do we have there? Well, I mean, f- first thing that pops in my head is creation.
1: The creation story in Genesis. Exactly. Right? The seventh
0: day was rest. Yeah. I was thinking about that because it was the Sabbath, right?
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: And mm-hmm. so it's a six around one structure, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea of there being activity during the six, all movement is accomplished in the six sixth, stages. Right. And the seventh brings return. Right. I thought, wow, hmm. that's an incredible correspondence between... Two traditions that are really not thought of as being related at all. Right. Now, here's another one. One of the central themes in the I Ching is that of crossing the Great River. So, you're, it's, it's either auspicious or inauspicious to cross the Great River. Like quite often, that's one of the things that's, that's revealed in the image. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, Hebrew means one who crosses over to the other side of the river. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's what... Now, you're maybe saying, I'm wrong. I, I d- mean, well, that's... I huge. haven't looked... I don't have a... You know, I'm not a Hebrew speaker, but I'm pretty sure that's what Hebrew means. Fascinating. I mean, you did cross the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, as a metaphor, mm. the idea of uncertain times, right? Right. Can be very well, I think, imagined as being crossing a great river. Right? When times are chaotic, right? things are difficult... That's the great river.
1: Kind of feeling that in my life right now. I hear now. you.
0: <laughs> That's why I thought maybe this is a good topic.
1: <laughs> Heading into the great unknown right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Wow, this is a good
0: topic. <laughs> <laughs> How to talk about it. Oh. It is, I think, you know, kind of the central concern in everyone's life, I and mean, particularly at a time where we feel like the wheels are coming off and things mm-hmm. are getting more chaotic and confusing, and you know, you're starting to see uh, signs of, well, kind of all the things that are mentioned in the Bible, right? We've got these storms, and we've got um, uh, pestilence, right? We've got this uh, outbreak of this uh, coronavirus going on, right. and we've got in Famines. Africa... In Africa, they got this massive uh, plague of locusts going. Really? Look wow. it up. It's, in, it's intense. And so, yeah, you know, earthquakes and the whole deal, right? Floods, climate instability, mm. right? God is, God is slow to anger, mm. right? So if we are heading into ever more unpredictable territory then it is very much a question of how do we deal with crossing the great stream, the great river. And, you know, I think that if we're going to speak about it realistically, we have to admit that uh, many will be called but few will be chosen. (laughs)
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. And that chances are, like we, we should all be pretty much okay with not making it through, and that in some respects that might actually be the better situation, because God knows what lies on the other side of this thing. Right. And and it may be that right. only only an extremely um, rugged or determined or brutal. Or vicious type of person, yeah, could be the one who would actually end up on the other side of this thing. So it's very difficult to struggle with that basic instinct of, you know, wanting to protect your life. And, you know, that, that to me seems to be the innovation of Jesus' point of view in a certain sense. He's like, well, why should I protect my life? Right, put down that sword, right? Isn't that pretty much what what he tells his? Uh, I'm trying to remember who is it who raises the sword. Probably Peter, if anybody. Hmm. But I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, so you know, in, in, in when everything comes to a head, he decides, no, I'm not going to fight for this, mm-hmm. right? That's not the right way forward. There's a really interesting show that just showed up on on Netflix called Messiah you heard about this? I have heard about it, have yes. Have you seen any of it? I have it? not seen any of it yet. It is a very interesting show. Mm-hmm. And some of what they have coming out of this central character, Messiah's Mouth, is quite profound. It's very interesting. huh? And it's, I think, a relatively well-done show. There's a lot of interesting dynamics going on between people, but the thing that really kind of strikes me as being most important about it is another of, of those ancient prophecies that you know yeah, in the end times there will be many false messiahs yes. and you can't imagine a more more of a false messiah than a show about one <laughs> you know that's that's yeah. about as i mean yeah. it's so blatantly false right that it's stunning mm-hmm. right sure
1: the fact that uh, anything coming out of hollywood
0: yeah, well, actually it's oh, an australian right. production australian well, but it, it's netflix so yeah, whatever that is let's just right? say the, the movie realms. yeah <laughs> i mean i think that there was yeah. this, there, there was this bit where uh, ricky gervais was talking about how hollywood should just hand it all over to netflix so just like okay netflix you won we're done <laughs> like here you go cuz everyone's basically mo- moving over to netflix even though netflix is one of those you know weird unicorn companies that seems to be able to expand and persist even though they make no money like that. yeah <laughs> no, how is that <laughs> how, how does is that? that happen right <laughs> so but here we are we've got this strange time that we're living in mm. and we're confronted with what seem to be a number of signs that we're heading into really rocky territory seems like this is a recurring theme recently, and why shouldn't it be? Isn't that basically what we're all confronting in one way or another? right? So then the question is, yeah, what is the best attitude to adopt? And it seems like Jesus' attitude was, well, it's in God's hands. Right. And that seems to be uh, about as, as wise as one could get.
1: And as scary as it can get. Absolutely. Because you're not in control of it. Right. Right.
0: But we're not in control of it anyway. No, we're not. We're not in control. I mean, that's the... the, We have the... But we think, we. we, you know, there's... And you could say... You could argue that that's the reason why we are where we are because there's been so much effort to try to control everything. Right. And, And human beings have now engineered ourselves into this untenable situation. Right. And they, they seem to continue to think that they're going to engineer themselves out of this. And that uh, doesn't yeah. really ring true. No. Things being in God's hands,
1: I'm totally okay with that. And at the same time, it's really difficult. As you know, I'm moving and was hoping to have work lined up for right. getting there. Right. And I've gone through two interviews now. And uh, one first interview went really well. Um, I had a good connection with with the company, and thought, "Ah, oh, I, I, there's a real possibility of getting this." And I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I thought, "Okay," I was disappointed, but there was another thing up on my radar at the time that I thought, "Well, th- this would be even better, mm-hmm. and um, and it would pay well, and it would provide stability and safety, and everything would be fine. The move would be." No stress. Right. I had an initial interview. It went really well and uh, flew out to uh, uh, Colorado last week for the second interview. It went really well and I thought, I I, I felt confident. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm saying, it's in God's hands. Mm-hmm. It's in God's hands. And if I get it, that's awesome. And if I don't, something better will show up. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm confident that something better would show up if, if I don't get this. Hmm. But then I get the email that I didn't get it. Right. And now it's like... It's now testing it's, your faith. Now it tests it. Now yeah. it's like, well, you've been saying it. Oh, yeah, it's in God's hands. But now, you know, I just found out yesterday and um, now I'm scared. Right.
0: And I'm nervous. That's a real struggle, and it, it
1: is, and that's that. It's like now I'm crossing the great river, and you don't know, and I have no idea. But what's you have on the some. You have
0: some degree of things set up, right? And yeah, then a lot of no, it is a question yeah. of like, what is it that you're willing to do? Right.
1: Yeah, and you know, and part of the conversation I've had with my partner is that I I don't I like I don't want to go backwards, whatever that is, you know, financially. Or in my career, I want to keep moving my career forward. And at the same time, I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to make ends meet.
0: Well, it's a tricky thing because... It's
1: nerve-wracking.
0: I think that (laughs) what's already a difficult situation, there's added weight when you have this feeling of having achieved a certain level of success Mm -hmm. and then being concerned about losing position. Well, because I achieved a certain level of success at one time
1: and lost it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. Had a life collapse and I've been rebuilding. And so I know what it's like to lose it all and i've just gotten myself i've been rebuilding my career back up i don't want to i don't want to lose it all again right i don't want to go backwards again i don't know if that's
0: what life has planned for me or not well quite a, like one of the principles so. in tai chi is that quite often you have to go backwards before you can go forwards so. right it's
1: like uh <laughs> so it's it's this. like pulling an arrow back right yeah you got to pull
0: the bow the bowstring back But I think it's also the case that when you have... Okay, so right now it seems that we're living in a society where, to some extent, we're dealing with extraordinarily corrupt institutions of all different types. Oh, God, yeah. You know, just through and through. Rotten to the core. And so, you know, what does it mean to progress within any kind of a well-established field at this point? Right. I just saw an incredibly interesting podcast with Eric Weinstein and his brother, Brett Weinstein. It's a, there's a podcast called The Portal. It's Eric Weinstein's podcast. They both have podcasts. And if you don't know who they are, they are brothers who are in the academic field. Eric Weinstein is a mathematician who works for Peter Fields, a guy who started PayPal and runs like a venture capital firm. And then Eric Weinstein is a biologist who was in the center of a controversy at Evergreen College up in Washington around, you could say, like the whole kind of politically correct woke thing. He got wrapped up in that because... Well, it's, uh, it's not worth talking about that story so much, but he did b- get into the public eye because of this kind of controversy, the same kind of thing that happened with Jordan Peterson, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? They sit down and talk for a couple of hours about a situation that Brett Weinstein was in where he developed a theory within biology on how aging occurs. And it involves the telomeres, the ends of the chromosomes, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and they had discovered that that the telomeres of lab mice were very different from the telomeres of wild mice, that they have much longer telomeres than wild mice do, and that there 's this interesting relationship between the length of the telomere and how cells uh, reproduce, and whether or not they become cancerous. Right. right? And the shorter they get, the shorter the lifespan. The shorter the lifespan of the cell, but the less likely it is to develop cancer. Mm. And so what he he noted was that if you have long telomere test subjects that are primarily targeting for cancers, you got a problem because these are animals that are predisposed to form cancers. Hmm. So he was basically saying, we've got a real crisis in our entire approach to lab testing because these are all the same mice. They come from the same lab that's being tested everywhere. right? Wow. So he's working with another woman who, I'm trying to remember exactly what her study was, but she was more involved with the mice and he was kind of thinking about the theoretical side of it a bit more. In a nutshell, he says that you know, she supported his initial work. He wrote a paper which got recommended to the journal Nature. I don't remember the exact order of sequence of things, but basically the paper was rejected from publication because she wrote a scathing critique of it, the woman that he was working with. Wow. Then later down the line, she adopts almost all of her ideas, gets a Nobel Prize, but the only thing that she doesn't focus on is the fact that the lab rats are not appropriate for testing for cancer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so what is this telling us? This is telling us that, and we don't know exactly what the story is, right? This is like there, sure. but yeah. it's ta- talking about very high level within an institution, right? Kind of the highest level. And one of the things that's happening during this whole podcast that's very awkward and, and kind of disturbing is that Eric Weinstein, the older brother, is like criticizing his younger brother for not being more ambitious, for like being at a small institution like Evergreen and not really realizing like what an important contribution that this concept with the, uh, with the telomeres was and not, not pushing to have this story told earlier, you know? Mm-hmm. So he's kind of getting like criticized from his own, his own brother about that while it's going on. But we have, so in there you have both a story about institutional corruption, right? You have the way in which you get the kind of disdain for anyone who's not part of that, that's mm-hmm. built into the conversation between the two brothers, mm-hmm. right? You get the the story of how someone who was really trying to be as truthful as possible gets completely sidelined, right? So then the question is, what does it mean to advance your career in this kind of an environment? If this is what's going on kind (laughs) of in general, right, then then what does that mean? You know, one of the reasons why I like doing odd jobs is that there's no ambition whatsoever. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like it's just, it is what it is. It kind of has to be done, like hopefully. Some odd jobs don't. Right. And those are the ones right. I hate, you know. But if someone really has something that needs to be done and I can do it for them and get paid for it, that's fucking awesome. It's that simple. You know right. what I mean? Right. So I really like that about it. And I like the fact that there's no ambition involved in it whatsoever. I mean, and people do look down on you, you know. Mm-hmm. If you drive a truck around like the one I drive around, people are like, you know, yeah. who the fuck is that? You know, whatever.
1: Right. Right, yeah. but if
0: you had a big old, you know... You know, there, there's an incredible amount of, of, of prestige yeah. that goes along with all of these various artifacts that people use as symbols for their success. Right. right, right. And that's very powerful in this culture, but in a way, it's a signifier of the thing that we want to avoid because all you can do is get into trouble. If you're the kind of person who's going to say what you think... Right. If you're right. the kind of person who's going to try and be truthful in what you're doing, right, which seems to have gotten you into trouble a little bit in the past job you had, <laughs> then, then I would think a little bit more carefully about whether or not you really do want to right. go further mm-hmm. in this, in, in whatever career it is that you envision at this point. Right.
1: right. Well, it's funny. I mean, this is a, the very conversation I was having this morning with my partner. I, I, I literally said the words to her. Um, if only I lacked, um, you know, lacked in morals or in integrity, it, it would probably be easier for me to get ahead.
0: Well, I think that in some ways what we're seeing, and certainly okay. like, you know, the political world bears us out just the most obviously. Yeah. Like anyone yeah. with any kind of integrity is instantly jettisoned from the system. Absolutely. You know, except, I mean, you know, somehow or another, Tulsi Gabbard is hung in there. You know, I, I mean, I know that there are people who think that that she's also compromised. So I'll I'll give a tip of the hat to that person if they happen to be listening, and maybe he's right. You know, I don't know, but she strikes me as a genuine person, and the media ignore her and they've pushed her yeah. out of the debates. You know, it's like that's kind of how it goes. Right, right anyone who sure. anyone who doesn't toe the line is is sidelined at the best. Right, you know, so. So if that's the case, and that's actually what's going on, well, there's two sides to it. One is, you know, do you want to get wrapped up in something that's like that? And then is there anything else that could be done that isn't like that? Right. That's a big question too. Right. And I think, you know, as more and more people come to awareness of the extent to which corruption is rife within all of the institutions, mm-hmm. do you want to in any way be associated with any of that stuff? Right. right. So you know, I, I understand there's a very there's a significant difference between uh, the alternative health world and like you know mainstream american politics but there are some commonalities as well right mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I mean i
1: think it's yeah you you're, you're going to find it anywhere you go
0: absolutely anywhere you, know, I, you go you're going to find it and the more so. that that segments get developed like the field of alternative medicine used to be a fraction of what it is now, you could say, right? Oh, oh God, yeah. It's grown exponentially. There's so many different Mm -hmm. modalities within it, right? Mm -hmm. And I would say that, you know, realistically speaking, there's a a wide range of the rate of efficacy within Mm -hmm. a variety of different modalities. So it's kind of a big mess in a certain sense if you're going to talk about it as a field in general. There's There's just an incredible amount of different things going on and claims that are being made some of which, you know, it's like very difficult to really ascertain. Is it actually the case?
1: Well, I think that's the same that with conventional medicine too, though.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah, saying that it's any different than any other yeah. field. I'm just saying it yeah. is the same, <laughs> the, the same as other fields. It's the same as other fields, right? Yeah,
1: I mean, there's, there really is no difference. Right. Other, other than the fact that, for the most part, a lot of the stuff, whether it be supplements or alternative modalities, can't do a tremendous amount of harm. Like like kill you, cause liver failure, kidney failure, things like that. Whereas in the pharmaceutical industry or in uh, some conventional medical treatments,
0: there's severe danger. Yeah, I've heard it said like the difference between uh, taking the wrong supplement and taking the wrong drug is like the difference between... Uh, getting hit with a club or a sharp pointed sword you know yeah. it's like basically the, the the targeted drug is something that's like a, a scalpel it's yeah. it's gonna cut effectively mm-hmm. but if it's in the wrong direction yeah. you know yeah I think all of that is very true the question I think really comes down to if you're really dedicated to trying to live the integral life I mm-hmm. guess we could say mm-hmm. then what the hell do you do with yourself? In order yeah. to make a living? How the, f-
1: like, how the fuck do you make a living? The, that has that, been my I, I've been contemplating oh, that a lot. Lately. It's maddening. It's like, I mean, it's how do I how do I make a decent living, being who I am, doing something that I love, and not compromising myself.
0: I mean, you know that that's why and, I just think that humility is the only way. You just find like something. You know, every now and then I meet someone. Like just yesterday, I met a guy who works at a. Uh, a warehouse that does masonry supply stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's just one of those guys Is like, you know, there's like three or four people working there, and some of them are like the typical guys who it feels like they would really rather be anywhere else, you know? <laughs> but he just seemed like, he, you know, he's a little bit older than me, so he's probably 60 something, and he was just like right on the money, you know? Like he was cool, he mm-hmm. was super cool. And he seemed like he was, like basically, when I was thinking about it, because I was there for a little while, because I had to cut some rebar that I got. So it's like checking out what the vibe was there. It's not a bad place to work. Like, you don't have to deal with a lot of people. It's not like a retail shop, you know? Mm -hmm. There's like, you know, you have a few deliveries during the day, and you got like a warehouse, and you're dealing with inventory and blah, blah, blah. Uh, But it's not a bad environment, you know? Like, it's really not too bad. And you're not dealing with hundreds of people, so it's not super stressful. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's kind of chill. You know, mm-hmm. so every now and then I see someone like that, and I'm like, "Man, you got the right spot." Yeah, you found it. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, and I really think that there's something to that. Like, that's why I think like the open mind in this aspect of it all. So, yeah, we would all love. I would love to make a living doing this podcast. Right, it ain't gonna happen. At least you know the way tr- trends are going now. I think it'll. It would be like a maha Culpa type of you know <laughs> time cycle. The way things are building. It's building, you know? But, but it's just building listenership. It's not really building support, you know? Right, right, right. And so maybe over the course of time, it will it will become something that would be, you know, that I could go buy a meal with sometimes. Right. Because it's still, it's still costing, you know, I'm not breaking even yet. Right. 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 I still think it's worth doing, you know, particularly if it's just like set up a couple of microphones with a good friend of mine and shoot the shit for a little while. I mean, that's awesome, you know, and hopefully there are some ideas that are that are worth sharing with people. Mm-hmm. But really, you know, for me, it's like, okay, can I find that gig at the masonry supply shop? <laughs> something like that. That's, that's probably going to be, you know, I'm doing odd jobs now, whatever it's right. going to be. But hopefully, eventually, I can find something that's kind of just that locks into something like that. Right. That's what I'm hoping, and really, because right. I don't see I don't see any yeah. other way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to battle with philosophers and and in the whole like spiritual world thing, or like create some kind of like image of whoever the hell I'm like, not going to go
1: on a book tour. And... <laughs> right.
0: I tried writing a book. I mean, I heard someone say recently, like you know, the only thing more difficult than writing a book is like mining. <laughs> like, <laughs> ah. yeah. <laughs> Which is an overstatement, but it, it's kind of true. I mean, really writing a book, like really writing a book—not one of those shitty books—that it's—it's right. actually really hard to do.
1: Yeah, I—I I, I couldn't even imagine <laughs> yeah. writing a book. I've had an outline for one for a really long time, uh-huh. but seemed to have a really hard time getting started. Yeah, so. I mean,
0: the, the problem I have is that it's easy to write, but mm-hmm. then it's difficult to turn into something that anyone would want to read.
1: Right, 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 right. Well, maybe the point is is to write it for yourself, and then.
0: Yeah, you know, there's yeah. only so much time we have to do. For, we have with which to <laughs> do things for ourselves like that. It's like exactly, you know, if I can uh, keep myself relatively clean and well fed, and you know, <laughs> sort of, that's uh, success. That's success, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> so I don't know. Have we wandered? I mean, I think that that's pretty relevant to to the topic here because uh-huh. it does yeah. come down to like an idea of what's acceptable for us to do. And when I was a kid, you know, I, I. I was very consciously avoiding certain career paths. Like I saw all mm-hmm. the various potential like off ramps to security basically, but I was one of those kind of die hard musician kids you know i was like oh, i'm just going to keep doing the music man somehow it'll happen you know uh uh-huh. it it didn't really happen but mm-hmm. i mean i'm i'm i kept that going for a while so i made enough money to struggle my way into my 40s <laughs> 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 i mean
1: i i i didn't even have a concept of career when huh. i was in college or anything you know i just i no concept for that it was just I didn't even think about what am I going to do for my quote living or huh. a, a, not something I, I thought about because I, I really didn't know what w- what I wanted to do
0: huh it's interesting I, I, I thought about it a lot mm-hmm. you know and I saw people heading in various directions and I thought that's smart mm-hmm. you know they're doing something that'll support themselves that's good but I also had this feeling of like, that somehow, for, for me, it, I would lose connection with what I believed was right and true for me, right. if I had given up on what I loved. Mm-hmm. And I know I, I, I loved music, but I didn't love being a musician.
1: Mm.
0: I, I didn't like what music could turn into. I, I heard an interesting sermon recently about the prostitution of music. Oh, Wow. And I think that's actually a really appropriate phrase. You know, music yeah. became the background mood for post-industrial life, mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. And and not so much the revealing art that it once was.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, I fell in love with music because it revealed things to me. Uh, not But, you know... I thought it did at the time. And now when I reflect on it, I wonder about that. I'm not so sure. You know, I see music as playing more of a role of pulling the wool over people's eyes now than of revealing anything. And that really disturbs me. And I didn't want to be part of that machine. Mm-hmm. You know, I did com- uh, commercial music for a while, which was the worst. But even when I was doing other people's music, there were only a couple of projects that I ever got involved with other than my own stuff. Where I felt like this was an opportunity to, to really do music, like real music. Mm-hmm. Everything else felt like it was a freaking scam, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And so that is demoralizing, you know? And, um, and so I, I eventually realized that even though I was trying to avoid uh, this demoralized state, that that by insisting on staying within the music field, I was getting increasingly demoralized. Mm-hmm. So that's what eventually led me to realize that I had to give up on trying to think of myself as a musician, which was just a ridiculously painful process. You know, mm. I had a lot invested in it. It was my identity. Uh-huh. So it was very difficult to uh, to separate myself from that, but... But I did manage to do that. I didn't manage to extinguish the musical habit in myself, so that that still seems to be, you know, pretty firmly entrenched. And whether that's a disease or or some kind of a, I don't know exactly what it is. No, but it's a love it's still, that you have, though, really—it's it's something that's really deeply part of my whole thing. So, yeah. so there it is. But uh, but the idea of having to make my way in the world as a musician—I I feel like. Yeah, that's that's not important anymore. And I I really like finding things to do that are simple.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So
0: I think that's another really key element to it. Like quite often, a lot of the jobs that are that pay well are so complicated and confusing and politically charged in mm-hmm. one way or another you mm-hmm. know and and i feel like quite often people are being asked to do things in those positions that they really don't want to do right you know and right. so if you can find something that's really simple that that covers your needs that keeps the roof over your head and the food on the table i mean i think that really is the big trick in life right now
1: right and you know the piece that i'm looking at at this point is says how do i Find that and also not only just keep a roof over my head, but even be able to save, right? And I think this is probably an issue for so many people is how do you not just make it, but how do you make enough to even save? Well,
0: the horror of
1: the situation right? that we're in it's right just, now is
0: that the, the policy of, of the government, basically, is to destroy savers. Yeah, that's been. They they want to encourage consumption, and if we go into negative interest rates, then basically that's that's penalizing savers. We're already down. You know, like if you think that you can save money in a bank now, like the rate of interest on oh, yeah. on a deposit is way less than inflation. Right, you're not saving. You're right. losing. Right. So the whole game is rigged. It's it's just a horrifying yeah. nightmare when you really look at the economy. And it's it's
1: we're in this classic situation where it takes money to make money. So it's the people <laughs> with the money who are making the money.
0: Well, in a way what the people with the money are doing is they're destroying the money. That's really yeah. what they're doing. Is they're yeah. destroying the actual value of the currency by goosing it. They're they're like they're pumping it full of of amphetamines, <laughs> right? And they just won't stop pumping it in and at some point or another they're going to they're going to it's not going to be, it's going to collapse at some point mm-hmm. it can't go on like this it's a, it's a completely nonsensical system, unfortunately money is a false god
1: Absolutely. And,
0: and and this is a country you know, America it means the love of riches <laughs> right someone told me that, I don't know if it's true but it sounds right, America Amorica, right he's going to look it up I think he'd even say that it might be the kind of thing that's true, even if it doesn't say that that's what the etymology is, by the way. But, okay, he's going to look it up anyway. It's clear that whether or not America means love of riches, that this United States here has definitely been uh, a place... You know, Donald Trump is, is, uh, is the perfect representative of that. Mm-hmm. Like his name in gold letters, right? <laughs> it's this obscene display of opulence that has characterized the kind of uh, American hegemony. Right, right. And if that becomes the primary goal, right? So if, uh, if money is the thing which is worshipped above all else, well, then you have people making decisions on the basis of money,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: And so then you have a system that is influenced by the people who are the best at you know, being able to squeeze money out of the system, And that fundamentally corrupts the system, right? Because you you need to have, uh, money needs to make sense. And if people can create incredibly complicated things that no one understands, like derivatives, the derivative markets, even experts in derivatives say that they have a hard time understanding how the hell these things work.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: yet that's like, you know, a huge portion of of the whole uh, Wall Street game, right? Right, right. So what what you're talking about is 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 a hall of mirrors where oh absolutely. the faith you know it, it requires faith the reason why they talk about confidence you know consumer confidence faith in the currency and that kind of thing is because people have to have some kind of sense that that the numbers add up Right, You know, it's like in, in your household, you have to have enough money in order to pay the bills. It's that simple, right? And that's how money works, whether we like it or not. It's the system that we're in. And so when you have a government that's basically bailing out institutions that have failed— but they're too big to fail. Too big to fail. Right? Right. And well, the, they're the ones causing the collapse. All. How can you have faith in a system right. like that? You can't. You, know, well, you can't. And it's, and that's where the prostitutes come in. That's right. where music and the prostitutes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which is what Gerald Salente calls them. So the press, they don't really report on how things are actually going. Right. Right,
1: right. they they the press is basically just a movie for the agenda, in my opinion.
0: And then it, the I know you really want to say what America's about, but uh, okay. okay,,
1: <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. actually, it, it, what I'm getting here is that it is derived from Amerigo Vespucci, who was the Italian who supposedly discovered. yeah, the but new what world. does his name mean? Right. So here's the thing is that um, Amerigo is uh, Germanic, uh, said to derive from Gothic. Amalrich, literally work
0: ruler. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Work ruler. Work hyphen ruler. Okay, we're going to have to look into this more. That's pretty interesting, too, right? Yeah. Slave
1: master. Is that what that means? That's what it sounds like to me. (laughs) Work ruler. I mean, that's That's what. That's even
0: better than love of money. Right? (laughs) Kind of very much related. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, so uh, we just went out onto a whole other <laughs> set of things, and we actually have a, a, a time limit today. We do. Which is kind of terrible and great at the same time, because we could go on and on about this. But yeah, so well, how does all this fit together? Well,
1: crossing the great river. Exactly. Requires, it requires faith, it requires um, doing what you need to do to
0: survive but within i think no here's the thing it, it, what you know what it does not require it does not require money
1: mm. <laughs> <Ow>. <laughs>
0: yeah right right because if if the, the kinds of crises that we think are going on right now actually come to full fruition well that's going to be the thing that reduces the value of money to zero right right money's going to have no meaning whatsoever so there you are that's it you know that's the story
1: and here's the thing uh in the end we don't take the money with us exactly in the end we're not judged by um you know what we saved right we're judged by what we gave right amen and um crossing the river with integrity well whether we cross or not right the, right. the, we're not guaranteed the crossing. We're
0: not guaranteed the cro- Well, we're, we're guaranteed D-D-A, one crossing. Right, we, we right? cross a threshold in life. We and cross is, two
1: thresholds in life,
0: one in birth, one in death. Right, and in some sense, that is the Great River. Right. You know, because the moment of truth is the moment of death, right? Right. So the idea that somehow or another the, the crossing of the Great River is necessarily material survival on the other side. Right. Yeah, I don't see why that would be the case. Yeah, but it's. I, I think that this also can be really nicely informed from the um, samurai tradition, mm. where they basically are like, "Well, we're already dead. Like we know that we know we're already dead. That's a foregone conclusion. Mm. We don't know how or when, right? right? But we are already dead. Right? It's not we're like it's an option, dead. right? We're guaranteed. It's dead. guaranteed. It's yeah. built into the whole thing. Right. So we may as well live a- as if we were already dead. Mm. You know." And I think that that's one of the great tricks that's been played with money. Right. You know? Um, money seems to suggest that if you had enough money, somehow or another you could buy yourself out of death. Mm. And that's pretty much what, you know, when you look at the, the um, uh, transhumanist movement, you know, right. like you get incredibly rich people who think that somehow or another they're going to store themselves <laughs> in a vat until they figure out how to live forever. I can't think of anything more horrifying. It's Pretty horrifying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like don't I like don't resuscitate me. Please. Let me let me go. Exactly.
0: If, if I'm gone if God willing let me go. God willing we won't have to come back, but Yeah. You know, if what I read about that is true, there's a pretty good chance we're all going to have to come back here.
1: That's right. It seems to be a lot of uh, traditions that it's very difficult I'd to not that. come
0: back. <laughs> it seems like that's like the real that's the holy grail of spiritual achievement. Right. Is to not have to come back here. Right. Uh, the Xian, I guess, is the, the Chinese Taoist mm. kind of ascendant master. Ah. The mm-hmm. one who has managed to resolve karma and is not burdened with another birth. Right. And I don't know. I mean, it seems like, you know, God is very forgiving, but it is really you know many are called but few are chosen like you know the path is incredible what is it it's easier for a rich man to enter the no it's easier easier for for the camel
1: to walk through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the gates of heaven right
0: wow (laughs) right wow now there is because a a rich man has to worship money that's the only way that you can become rich
1: you don't become rich giving your money away
0: no I heard something really interesting recently about how the, the, the children of, rit, of the super wealthy are typically, I mean, what we would basically consider to be abused. They're like psychologically abused because if you don't become cruel, there's no way you're going to be able to hold on to that kind of wealth. Mm-hmm. So they are, they are treated in such a manner as to make them heartless and cruel because otherwise, the family would lose money. That's how important money is to them. That wow. it destroys the feeling within their own. <laughs> you know, so talk about like, you know, this is another thing that... that is it the case that money is the root of all evil? Like, I don't think it's
1: money. I think it's it's the, they, pers- the they, person with the money. Yeah, quite
0: often they'll say, well, it's not money. It's the love of money, right? right? And then sometimes, you know, it's like, well, all evil? right. Uh, you right. know, but, so what is money? I think there's a really lot of serial
1: like, killers out there who, you know, aren't too interested money in the dollar. Money doesn't <laughs> right.
0: So, okay, I guess we could get rid of the all evil. But, but I think, you know, money as a abstraction of power. Yeah. So power is kind of in a way what it's really talking about because That's money is a representation of power absolutely power and prestige and so you could say that Ego. you could say that serial killers are people who are obsessed with a certain power they want the power over life
1: mm-hmm.
0: right right so it would be interesting to look into the etymology of the word money particularly when it comes to the you know the the greek or the hebrew mm. in the uh in the scriptures and see what exactly that implies. We'll have to do that for, are you going to do that now? No. Okay. I'm just doing our time check. Yeah, I guess we're running out of time. We're at at our time. We're kind of on a good roll here. I know. I think we've covered most of the bases though, right? Is there anything that's really been, is there any stone that's been left unturned here? I'm sure there is, but. (laughs) Well, it's been a real pleasure, man. Oh my God. I'm going to miss this. sad to see you go. I'm going to miss this. So, well, we'll see what it feels like on Zoom. And uh, what do you got? Money, money,
1: mid thirteenth century money funds means anything convertible into money. Yeah, nothing, nothing major here. All right, I'll look
0: up the Hebrew later. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, brother. Oh my god, this, this has, has been, been great. Thank you for uh, for being a part of this, for getting this thing going. And you know, it was just something that we decided to do, and, and we're then I still bailed doing on it. you. <laughs> whatever you know whatever you're still here you're here in the way you need to be that's right, right? that's right so and maybe who knows really awesome. maybe my
1: son will carry the torch for god you. willing yeah for he's me. welcome
0: here anytime <laughs> so that would be great oh uh, let him know what a joy I gave him my card and tell him to send me a text so oh he was so stoked to see you alright cool yeah. yeah it was great to see him too yeah. I'll keep an eye on him for you thank you as much as possible <laughs> really very little I'm not going to have any idea what that kid's good
1: thing doing. is <laughs> I don't have to worry about him he's pretty solid <laughs> good alright awesome oh, thank until you until next time
0: until adios thanks for listening We look forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, remember, turn that thing over a few times before you pick it up and take it home.